Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 32. Feel free to follow along in your Bible or in the uh, worship guide. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who, who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given, us to, given to us in love. I'll be the third person to say good morning to you guys. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I went to my pastor and I asked him a very, what I thought was a simple question was, what is our greatest need as followers of Christ? And he paused and, and thought for a moment and then he looked at me and said, our greatest need is for forgiveness. And I remember looking at him and thinking, is there some unconfessed sin that he's struggling with? Or it just didn't make sense because he was a morally kind of upright. He, he was a man of integrity. And I was like, well, why in the world would he say that our greatest need is forgiveness? I understand prior to coming to Christ, our sin is what separates us from God and that we need forgiveness. But after we've come into a relationship with Christ, why would forgiveness be our greatest need? Well, I'm 30 years older, and I hope I understand more deeply God's love and God's grace and God's truth. And as I've aged over these 30 years, what I've determined is oftentimes I would measure my goodness based on your goodness. And if, as long as I was kind of competing with you, I'm a, I'm a very competitive person, as long as I was kind of there with you, then I was okay. But as I've grown older, I've realized that that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to measure our goodness to his goodness, to his word. And as I've grown older, I've realized that I never, ever measure up. I always fall short. I always struggle every day to align my heart with the truth of God's word. And therefore, every day... My greatest need and your greatest need is for forgiveness. And the good news of Psalm 32 is that it is a psalm that's all about God's forgiveness. There's three things that I want us to consider as we look at the psalm this morning. The first is the joy of forgiveness. The second is the journey of forgiveness. And then thirdly, 
the power to forgive. Let me pray for us. Father, I know I stand here this morning having already struggled with anxiety and fear today, wondering if I am going to measure up this morning, if people are going to like what I say, if it's going to have any impact. I've been more concerned about my own reputation than concerned about your glory. And so I pray for me this morning that you would forgive me. That you'd purify my heart. That you would give me wisdom, Holy Spirit, to be able to speak these words of truth. And I pray for all of us here this morning. Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your word. And we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them or you can look in your bulletins. And the first thing that we see as we look at Psalm 32 is the joy of forgiveness. Now, <clears throat> Psalm 32 is the second of the penitential Psalms. Last week we looked at Psalm 6. This week we're looking at Psalm 32. It's a Psalm that King David wrote. And most scholars believe that he, it was written after Nathan had confronted David concerning his affair with Bathsheba. Now, David begins the psalm using the same words of Psalm 1. He says, blessed is the one. The word blessed here means happy, joyful, fulfilled. David is saying, just like meditating on God's word in Psalm 1 brings happiness, joy, and fulfillment, happiness also comes when we confess our sins, and receive forgiveness. If you look at verse 1 and 2, David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, in these two verses, David uses three different terms for sin. Now, why would he do that? He does that because he wants to show the pervasiveness of sin. Not just in a person's life before they profess faith in Christ, but he wants us to see that the righteous ones also struggle with sin. He uses the word transgression, which is a term referring to a willful act of disobedience. He uses the term sin, meaning to miss the mark, not aligning our lives according to God's word. And then he uses the term iniquity, which refers to a distortion, a criminality, or an absence of respect for God's divine will. David, again, uses these three different terms for sin so that we understand that although we have been delivered from the dominion of sin, those of us who profess faith in Christ, this side of heaven, we are going to still struggle with the influence of sin. Now, some of you have asked us here at Hope Chapel why we do the confession every week. We're not Catholic. Why, why do we do that? And as Michael tries to remind us every week, 
We do that because we need to remember the joy of forgiveness. We need to remember the pervasiveness of our sin. We need to remember that we don't always align our wills with God's will. And so every week, corporately, we get to come together and we get to acknowledge and confess our sin to God. In Psalm 32, David is telling the righteous, our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities, they are forgiven. In essence, no matter what you've done or left undone, no matter how big or small, God offers forgiveness to those who belong to him. And to those of us who receive his forgiveness, we will experience great joy. He repeats the term blessed, blessed, happy, happy are the ones who are forgiven. And then you'll notice in verses three and four. David says, just in case you're struggling to believe that joy comes when we confess our sins to God, I want to share with you my own personal experience. David was supposed to be out fighting, but instead he stayed back in the palace. And on one evening he was up on the terrace and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And then he called her to come to him and he slept with her. He committed adultery. He knew what he had done was wrong, but he tried to cover it up. He went to great extents even to have Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, murdered. And then after Uriah was murdered, he thought he had gotten away with it. For a whole year while she was pregnant, he tells us that he literally was wasting away with guilt. If you read verses 3 and 4, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David is saying when you don't confess and receive forgiveness, not only will we miss out on the joy of forgiveness, we will literally begin to die from the inside out. And so he's using himself as an example, pleading with us, warning us to confess our sins to God. Craigie in his commentary says this, Confession is like opening the floodgate of a dam. When there is no confession, the waters pile up behind the dam, creating immense pressures on the wall. But as soon as the floodgate is opened, the waters subside and the pressure diminishes. Happy is the person or persons who confess and receive forgiveness. There is joy. And hopefully every Sunday morning as we confess our sins before the Lord and we recognize that he forgives us. Joy grows in our hearts. So the first thing we see in this psalm is the joy of forgiveness. The second thing we see is the journey to forgiveness. David doesn't just tell us about this incredible blessing of forgiveness. In verses 5, 
through 10, David teaches us the path to forgiveness. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are sorrows of the wicked. In 2 Samuel, we learn that Nathan came and he confronted David. He used this beautiful story about this little ewe lamb and how that lamb was slaughtered. And David's rage grew against that man who slaughtered that little ewe lamb. And then Nathan looked at him and said, David, you are that man. And in that in that moment, David was overwhelmed with conviction by the Holy Spirit. His heart was broken. He felt godly sorrow. And that sorrow led him to confession and repentance. And so David no longer remained silent. But as the text says, if we're going to take this journey to forgiveness, we need to acknowledge our sin. We need to stop trying to cover it up. And we need, once we've confessed our sin and repented, we need to receive the forgiveness that's already been afforded to us by God. If you and I are going to take this journey to forgiveness, we too need to be honest. We need to come clean. We need to trust that God is a forgiving God. We need to believe David's words that when we confess our sins, we will receive not only forgiveness, but overwhelming joy. Several months ago, I was meeting with a client. And as I was meeting, I felt like I was kind of in a groove with this person. They were kind of telling a story and I was responding. And I felt like the whole session went really well. And afterwards, what I always do, I'm a one on the Enneagram. I go back and I process things. How could I have done it better? What did I do well? And I began to process my comments to my client. And as I began to process them, the Holy Spirit began to convict me. And I began to think about the actual sentences and the words that I said. And they weren't very helpful to my client. He hadn't told me that, but I began to see that. And at first I was kind of like, ah, you know, it's no big deal. I even talked with a friend, another counselor, and said, I did this. And they're like, oh, no, no big deal. But I continually felt the conviction in my heart that I had sinned against my client. And I felt badly about it. And so that next session when my client came in, before we started, I said, I, I, I need to talk to you about our last session. Because afterwards, I really felt horrible. Not about what you had said, but about my response to you and my kind of futile attempts to help you. 
I acknowledged to him that I had sinned against him and I asked him for forgiveness. And he was very gracious. He looked at me and he smiled and said, yeah, I was angry. You didn't mess up, but I forgive you. And there was restoration between he and I, but there was also restoration between me and God. And there was the joy that comes from forgiveness. If we're going to be people who acknowledge and confess our sins, we need to be honest with God about what we've done or maybe left undone. We need to tell him. And we need, when he says to us that he forgives us, we need to receive that forgiveness. That is the journey to forgiveness. But if you look at this text, I'd be remiss if we didn't look at verses 6 through 10. Because in these verses, David gives us a warning. He says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. David here warns us not to be stubborn. He knows the temptation for all of us is to live in denial. He knows that even though he's told us that there's great joy and forgiveness, our temptation is, is to try to stuff and hide our sin. And he warns us, be careful. Because when we stuff and hide our sin, we are going to bear the consequences. As we talked about last week, God will discipline us. But even worse, when we stuff and hide our sins, our hearts might become so hardened that the opportunity to confess may pass us by. And when that passes us by, then not only do we move into despair, but we move further and further away from God. He never moves away from us, but we turn and move away from Him. And often when that happens, it takes great beauty or great affliction To draw us back to him. And David here is saying. Please don't be stubborn. Heed my words. Know that there's joy of forgiveness. And know that there's a path to forgiveness. And so when you sin. Acknowledge it. To God and to others. Apologize. Repent. And receive Forgiveness. So in this psalm, we've seen the joy of forgiveness. We've seen the journey to forgiveness. And lastly, we see the power to forgive. 
some of us here this morning are listening to this and they're thinking, okay, that's great. It's great for David. It's great for you, Todd. It's great for those sitting around me. But if you really knew the things that I've done in my life, or maybe even the things I've done this morning, I'm not quite sure that God is willing or capable of forgiving me. If you are here this morning and you are struggling with that question, David says there's an answer. And the answer lies in verse 10. David writes, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. You might be familiar with that word steadfast love. It's the word hesed in Hebrew, which means covenant kindness. David here is saying, how do we know that God will forgive all of our sins? The most grotesque things that you have done that you're wondering, could he forgive me? How do we know? We know because we have a covenant God. And that covenant God had a covenant initially with Adam and Eve. And then he had a covenant with Abram and Moses and David. And then the new covenant. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ. To live a perfect life amongst us and to die a death he did not need to die or deserve to die. So that all of our sins, as grotesque and as horrible as we think they are, all of them are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. So how can you be confident this morning that your sin is forgiven? Look to the cross that's right behind me. It's empty. Christ is no longer hanging there. He is alive. And because he is alive, he's interceding on our behalf. And because he's alive, his blood has covered every sin imaginable. If you were to murder someone this morning and you confessed and you repented, you would pay the consequences, but you would be forgiven. There is no sin that's too great for us. For Christ. They're all forgiven. So we see that our greatest need this side of heaven is for forgiveness. It's not for God's acceptance. It's not even for his love. It's for forgiveness because this side of heaven, we're all going to struggle with sin. But the good news of this psalm is that there's joy. There's joy when we confess our sins. And there's a path to that confession that leads us to forgiveness. And we have a Savior whose blood covers every sin imaginable.
And so my hope is that we as a church, every Sunday as we come and confess our sins, that we are filled with his joy. And my hope is we're filled with that joy and we receive God's forgiveness, that we then become a people who extend the same forgiveness and grace to others. And my hope is if we do that and love one another and forgive one another in such a powerful way, that as the city of Greensboro looks at our little small congregation in the way we're loving and forgiving one another, they will see that there's a God. And they'll be curious and they'll begin to ask questions. And they'll want to come and hear the good news. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will convict them and they will profess faith in him. I want us to close this morning as we've closed every sermon that we've had on the Psalms. Psalms were corporately read and sang. And so this morning I want us to stand and together corporately read Psalm 32. Together, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen.